The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The following is a presentation of the Speedsport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his dues in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. So, I mean, I was doing it all myself. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight, and we'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, 241 races over 18 years in the Cup Series, 21 top 10s and five poles, 333 races over 25 years in the Xfinity Series, 15 wins, 160 top 10s, and 7 poles. 220 races over 11 years in the Truck Series. 22 wins, 124 top 10s, and 7 poles. Your Truck Series champion in 2006 and 2010. He currently serves as an analyst for Fox Sports, which makes him a broadcast professional. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Bodine. Say hi to Mike Wallace. Well, you say a broadcast professional. That's a little stretch there. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, once you have Jeff read your intro, I don't know if like others, but he makes you feel really good. You go back and go, wow, what a career I had. <laughs> read it to me one more time and call me a 10 tonight, too. <laughs> yeah, either, either that or you can just say, man, did I get old. Yeah. Well, the good thing about it, Todd, we're, uh, everybody's still thinking about you. That's why you're on the show. And, uh, you know, our, our, the concept of our show is a little different than most, is that we want to go back in time. We want to know who Todd Bodine was before Todd Bodine is who he is. You know, famous truck series winner, Xfinity series winner. So I'm going to let you, this is all unscripted, so we have nowhere except positives to go <laughs> on. And uh, if you will just tell us, how, how did Todd Bodine get involved in motorsports? Where and when did that all start? Well, uh, our father... Uh, we, we grew up at a racetrack. Our dad owned a racetrack in upstate New York. Uh, so for my brothers and self, myself, it's, it's really all that we've ever known. Uh, going to, for me, it was, was going to the races every Saturday night uh, in Chemung. I uh, started off Saturday afternoon watching Wide World Sports and smelling my mom cooking the, all the sausages and peppers for the racetrack. And, you know, growing up at the racetrack, you know, I, 
And one, one thing that's really cool is I had my first seven birthdays at the infield of the Daytona 500. I mean, that, right. you know, obviously I don't remember it, but. Uh, that's you know, pretty that's impressive. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, where do racers go on vacation? Well, you go south to a race. That's what <laughs> we did every year. Uh, you know, so that, that's that's how we got started in racing. Of course, Jeff, he started racing at Dad's track, and then Brett came along, and, you know, he, he grew up working on Jeff's cars and helping him, and then he started racing at Dad's track, and I started working on Brett's cars when I was younger. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's how we got our start. You know, our dad never drove a car, uh, but, but being at the racetrack every week, that's, that's what we did. You know, when I, kind of funny though, when I, growing up at the racetrack, I really didn't care about racing. You know, it was something we did every week and we went to the track and when we were there, I, I never watched the races. I was too busy with my buddies running around and raiding the concession stand and the, the candy stand and having fun and did you get free stuff up, all the time <laughs> oh yeah oh man me and my buddies had a big time french fries and sodas and all kinds of stuff hot dogs whatever you wanted man we just go in there and get it uh so but when i was uh i think i was about 11 years old brett was racing street socks and at dad's track hey and what, what was dad's track? track's name what was the name of the racetrack shemung speed Roam. Shemung uh, Speedrome, and what size, yeah. what type of racetrack was it? Uh, it was a third of mile paved. It started off as a dirt track. Uh, my dad and my grandfather built it. I want to say it was 49 that they built it and uh, paved it about 10 years later. Uh, so it was a really neat little third mile racetrack. It's still operating today. They race there every week. Uh, we don't own it, obviously, but uh, it's still doing well. But when I was 11, Brett was racing full-time at Dad's track every weekend. And one weekend, they decided to go to a new track and try something different. A little track in Perry, New York, about uh, 30 miles east of Buffalo. And Brett asked me if I wanted to go. And, of course, I was 11 years old, so they had to sneak me in the pits. And I kind of stayed close to the car so I didn't get caught. And he went out that night, and he won the race. And, of course, we, we all run out on the racetrack and get our picture made and got the checkered flag. And I look around and I said, now I understand what this is about. This is why Brett and his buddies work so hard on that race car every night. I used to hang out in the garage, but, you know, that was more to hang out with the, the big kids, you know. Right. And uh, I, it, it, it just it dawned on me. It was like a light bulb went off. And, man, this – this is pretty darn cool right here, getting a victory lane and, and having a checkered flag. And from that moment on, I was hooked on racing. And it was all I wanted to do. And, and uh, you know, I, I barely squeaked through high school because I didn't need an education to go racing. I wanted to be mm. at the racetrack. So, uh, you know, that's how it all started for me. So after that uh, that fun night, on in victory lane standing at the front straight away getting your picture taken whatever hopefully there's trophy girls back then that was the cool part i remember growing up <laughs> <laughs> and uh so once that happened what was the next progression for you how did you get in a race car where did where did that happen at well uh it was a few quite a few years later but you know right when i was 13 dad sold the racetrack and we moved moved to Massachusetts, and that's where Jeff had moved to. Uh, I know you remember the red number one Pinto that he raced in New England and modified, <laughs> kicked butt for so many years. Uh, he had one year where he, he raced 78 races, and he won 55 of them. I think they call that so, Jeff domination. Yeah that's, yeah, that's not a bad number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they hated him in New England. Man, it was it was awful, but. Uh, the gentleman that owned his car, Dick Armstrong, who is is now in the New England uh, Hall of Fame. Wow, you know, I, I heard that name before. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. that's who owned that. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dick's son Rick and myself became really good friends. Went to high school out there together, and Ricky decided he wanted to be a racer. So his dad bought him a, a sportsman car. It was kind of like a the late model version today, but it was they called them sportsman cars. And we raced it at Stafford Springs. Well, Ricky wasn't really much into working on the cars. 
So the guy that worked on the modifies with Jeff, his name was Hop Harrington. Hoppy was uh, one of the most famous racers in New England. Uh, as a driver, as a fabricator, mechanic, crew chief, he did it all. He was he's he he's also in the Hall of Fame out there. Well, after school every day, Hop, Hoppy would come pick me up at my house about two thirty, and bring me to the race shop, and I would work on the race car till they were done, and either Hoppy would take me home or Jeff would take me home, and that was my first real working on race car experiences. And uh, so we went, always went Friday nights to Stafford Springs, and Ricky ended up winning a race, and I was the crew chief. And uh, that, that's how I got into really wanting to, to work on them and race them. And I, I actually didn't get to drive until uh, oh, a couple of years, well, it was about a year and a half after that. Another kid, Rick Summers, now I know you heard of his dad, George Summers, who was another Hall of Fame racer in New England Modifieds. Uh, raced all over New England, New England, won a bunch of races. What a great guy. Uh, he, uh, his son Rick and myself were friends, and Rick had a, a street stock. And he wanted to go to Star, New Hampshire to race one weekend and had nobody to go with him, uh, no crew members or nothing. So he called me up and said, hey, I want to go up there. You want to come with me? I said, yeah, I'll go with you. So and what age are you there, Todd? What 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 age is that? About? Um I'm about 16, I think, right okay. now. Yeah. And a little caveat to the story. So Rick had this beat-up old pickup truck and a single-axle trailer. And we, we started up 495 outside of Boston, and we get up about 45 miles an hour, and that thing starts jackknifing. And it was all we could, he could do to hang on to us. So we ended up going all the way to the racetrack about 40 miles an hour on a four-lane highway. Okay. And, we end up getting there, and Ricky Rick takes it out the first practice, and comes in, and everything's cool. He, he looks over, and says, "Hey, you want to drive it?" I said, "Heck yeah! Are you kidding me? I love to drive it." So I put the fire suit. He only had one fire suit. Of course, I didn't have a fire suit at the time. So I put his fire suit on, and I went out there, and that was the first time I'd driven a race car. Uh, with other people on the racetrack. I mean, it wasn't my first time driving. Actually, I kind of missed part of the story there. But, uh, yeah, so that was my first time on the track with other cars was in that practice. How did it go? Oh, it was good. Yeah, I just went, out, <laughs> went around and squealed the tires a little bit and came in laughing my rear end off, having fun. Yeah, man, this, this is too cool, man. I know what I want to do now. It, that, it, that was it. Isn't it amazing? You were about 16 years old, right? I mean, Jeff, today his career would almost be over by 16 if he hadn't right. started when he was eight. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. But I, I let me back up on the story a little bit. So my first time driving a race car, and this is funny, so I got to tell you the story. Dad had already sold the racetrack uh, to a guy named Dewey Teleska. And Dewey wanted to start another division at the racetrack, a little four-cylinder mini stock class well dewey had a, a local guy build a car that was a, a, a i think it was a vega chevy vega they put a roll cage in it of course it had this piece of junk old bucket seat in it so i get home from school one day and they're racing this car him and his buddies are down at the racetrack and they're running this car around the racetrack so i hop on my bicycle i run down there and the way the racetrack was, the pit entrance was just an opening in a wall going into turn three. So you literally could stand right at the racetrack. So I, I wheel up there, and his buddies are there, and Dewey's there, and the guy gets done running the car and comes in. Dewey says, hey, you want to drive it? Now, at this time, I'm 13 years old. And I said, yeah, I'd like to try this, you know. So I climb in, and they put some pillows under me and some blankets underneath me and i throw the helmet on and i take off and i'm out there going as fast as this little car goes the squeal and the tires as fast as they go and lo and behold my dad drives up to this racetrack and he comes up and he says to the guys he says who's driving that thing they're driving crazy <laughs> dewey says well that's your boy todd dad dad always carried a white handkerchief <laughs> 
the old guys always had those white handkerchiefs in their pocket. Well, he, yeah, yeah. he come out in the racetrack, had that white handkerchief, and he's waving his arms back and forth and telling me to stop and slow down, and I just kept on going. <laughs> so so I finally pull in, and Dad comes to the window, and he says, what do you think you're doing? And I looked him right in the face, and I said, I'm going as fast as this thing will go. Yeah. <laughs> he asked you what you were doing, right? <laughs> so that, that was my first time driving. Well, I, I, I tell you what, the early stories are so incredible, and that's what we love hearing about and how you got it and how the opportunity come about. I mean, there you were at the right time. Somebody built a car, left you drive it. So we'll fast forward. You guys went up there to uh, New Hampshire or wherever you went, and you were going up the interstate 40 mile an hour, and <laughs> you were 16 in and and that race. And so how did it go after that? Where did – I mean – Tidewood is famous, you know, has won a lot of races, so there's a lot of in-between we got to cover. So how did you start getting, or how, did you do a lot of racing up in the Northeast? Or, well, I mean, you're well, a pretty young guy, so I know it happened down, a lot of racing happened down in this area. Well, so right about after that New Hampshire deal, uh, Jeff had already moved south and was racing for Emmanuel Cervacus in the Sportsman Series. And that's whirly. I know you know Satch Worley, another famous modified racer in the South. Satch and his dad were going to build a racetrack, Log Cabin Speedway. Uh, it was just north of Martinsville and south of Rocky Mount, right off of Route 220. And, you know, because my dad knew everything about racetracks, Satch hired my dad to come help build the track and then help promote the track. So we moved to Virginia, and I, I spent my junior and senior year in high school in Virginia. Right. And while I was while I was there in the summertime, I went racing with. Well, when my junior year, I actually moved back to Connecticut for the summer and went racing with Brett and Modifieds. And I was I was this tire changer and I worked on the cars after work and all that kind of stuff. And then my senior year, uh, between junior and senior year, I just spent the summer racing with Jeff. Uh, all, all hey, Brett or Brett? Look at that. It's Todd. <laughs> Todd. Todd's on the line. Yeah, Todd. <laughs> hold that hold that thought right there. We know where we're at. Jeff's Mike, gonna... we are going through the years and around the racetracks with Todd Bodine. Yeah. And we'll be back in a second. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. All right, y'all, welcome back. You are listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today's guest, Todd Bodine. And once again, high atop the pit box inside the Crosley Speed Sport Studios, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Todd, now I got the name correct. I called you Brett before we went to break, so uh, it, it happens to me, too. Let me know that, that uh, early in our career. But uh, you're in Virginia. That's a part of life I didn't know about about you. Tell, tell me about your family's in Virginia. You're there. You go back to Connecticut for the summer. Go from there. Yeah, so I came the, the junior, between junior and senior year, I went racing with Jeff uh, throughout the southeast, uh, racing a sportsman car and south side and Langley, south boston orange county all them real cool short tracks we have here and uh you know went went racing there and when i graduated high school two weeks after i graduated i moved to connecticut full time i went to work for uh, the people that owned brett's modified which was sherry cup they made paper cups and uh, I'd work in the factory from 6 to 4 and then go work on the race car at night. And that winter, uh, we went to Thanksgiving dinner with a guy by the name of Dick Trainer. Dick had a trucking company, and he was also a racer. And him and Brett had become friends. And, of course, we, we couldn't take the to come all the way south to have Thanksgiving with our parents. So we went over to Dick's house, and he had Thanksgiving dinner for us. Well, we're sitting there at the table and I look in the backyard and Dick has this old modified, it's an old Pinto, it's, it's beat up, but it's sitting back there. And I asked, you know, after dinner, I was Dick, go look at that car. So I went out and looked at it and there was another chassis sitting there that was nothing. It was a brand new chassis. I come in, I said, Dick, what are you going to do with that car? He said, well, I'm not going to do anything with it. I, I got all this new stuff. I don't need that old car. I said, well, can I have it? He said, yeah, you can have it. Now, this car was almost complete. I mean, it had all the suspension, all the brakes. It had everything on it. So I got this car, and I t 
took that new chassis, took it over to Brett's shop, and his owner, uh, Billy Carrazzo, and his brother, Paulie, who was also a racer, let me build my first race car in their shop that winter. Uh, it was a, called an SK Modified, which was basically a modified with a stock motor. Uh, it's now the, the prevalent division throughout New England. And they let me build that car there that winter, and I had two guys that became very good friends, Andy Cutts and Bill Goldsatt. They uh, bought the motor for it, and we went racing at Stafford Springs. That was my first first time racing. I was 19 years old, and we we went up. We we ran the first. We went up for practice. Went up for a test, and this this class was a little rough, right? And modifieds had rack and pinion steering, so if you hit the wheels, you'd break the steering box, just the rack on it. Well, I built this car with a steering box and a drag link so that I wouldn't be busting. <laughs> you you knock some wheels and, off that baby, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be busting rack and pinions every week because I couldn't afford to put them on. So I <clears throat> went up there for a test, and I got going, and down the straightaway, the thing was wandering back and forth. Well, what was happening was – the steering box was mounted out on the frame rail and it had no support. So the very first week we went, we couldn't even race because I had to come back and brace it up and gusset it up. But we went back the next week and cool story. Didn't make it through the heat race. First car did not qualify. So I started on the pole in the Concy, won the Concy, and I started 28th in a 25 lap feature. Okay, get those numbers now. 28th and a 25-lap feature, and I end up finishing seventh in the race. Well, you had a hell of a drive from the back there, didn't mm-hmm. you? Well, guess what? I didn't pass the car the whole race. What? They all wrecked? They all, they all wrecked in front of me. <laughs> hey, you know what? In the stat book, it says you finished seventh. That's right. That's, it doesn't matter right. how you got there. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do want to compliment you, though. You were talking about getting that car and being over at Thanksgiving dinner, and you did the greatest thing any racer could do. You didn't ask that gentleman if you could buy that car. You asked him if you could have it. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, Jeff, that's the success in racing is drivers ask for things. Right. I don't. Well, I, want, I want to I, borrow it or not, I want to give it to me. I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ask, you shall receive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So well, you got that I, SK modified. You braced that baby all back up. You ran your first race. You finished seventh. You didn't pass a car one because they all wrecked or broke or something. So now how are we doing? How are we gonna? How are we doing the next week racing? Well, the next week we blew the motor up. Now this, this is another good story, though. So we blew the motor up in practice. We load this thing up. I'm like, well, we're all done now. You know, I, these guys can't afford to fix the motor. I can't afford to fix the motor. Well, another friend of mine, Mike LaJoy, uh, actually a, a distant cousin of Randy LaJoy, his his dad, Connie, remember I talked about George Summers earlier. Well, Connie owned the Modified that George won all the races in back in the day. So Mike calls his dad up and says, Dad, Todd blew the motor up. Now, there's no cell phones. We're on pay phones now. Right. Yeah, so he calls him up and says, Dad, Todd blew the motor up. We need a motor. Connie says, well, we just re- – now, this is funny. We just rebuilt the motor that's in the dump truck. <laughs> it was it was a little 307 motor that they had rebuilt to take garbage back and forth to the dump. Connie had a plumbing company, so they had plenty of garbage. They fill the dump truck up, take it to the dump, and bring it back. Connie said, come on over here. We'll take the motor out of the dump truck, and we'll put it in the car and we'll race Seekonk tomorrow night. <laughs> that's hilarious. Saturday night. <laughs> that, so that, that's haul... a wonderful story. Keep going. I'm intrigued by it. <laughs> yeah. We, so we haul ass over. It was only like an hour and a half from Stafford over to where their house was just outside of Boston. So we haul ass over there. We get there about 11 o'clock, 12, 1130, and we, we pull the dump truck. We unload the car. Some of us – now, in the meantime, I got to back up a little bit. In the meantime, Connie – has called a couple of very key people here. A guy by the name of Smiley Waterman who built motors, 
Smiley was also a tech inspector in, in New England, and everybody knew Smiley, but he knew everything about motors. Then he called another guy, uh, Nat Chevertone, and got a cam, got some lifters and some rocker arms. They brought all the stuff over. They get over there about 1 in the morning. Now, we got the race car in the garage jacked up, got some guys getting that motor out. We pulled the dump truck under the outside of the garage, has a that come out of the top of the garage with a hoist on it, right? So we take the hood off the truck, get the motor out of the dump truck. We worked all night long, changed the cam, changed the lifters. We did everything on this thing. About probably 12 o'clock, noonish, sometime in there, we fired this thing up in the race car. We got it sitting there running. Connie rolls underneath it, and we got a the front main seal on the pan is leaking. So we shut it off. Like, oh, man, this, there ain't no way we're going to run this thing. Well, Connie being a plumber, he said, we're going to race. Don't you worry about it. He said, give me a can of brake clean. So he crawls under there, brake cleans all the oil off, gets it all dry. Said, all right, give me the silicone. Take silicone. He gobs a bunch of silicone on there. Now, here's the tricky part. I don't know if you ever put a sink in a house, but they have these little clamps. They're little aluminum C-clamps with a screw. He took these C-clamps, and he put about six of them from the pan to the block and tightened these things up with that silicone on there. He said, all right, now just let it sit there for about 20 minutes. We did. We started that thing up, and it did leak a drop. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> you know, that story is funny. You know, really funny to me because the other night I broke a uh, – I was doing something over the shop, and I broke a sprinkler line with my bobcat. I was – and I'm – I'm thinking about how I'm going to fix this thing. It's late. We need to get the water back on for what it's doing. And I'm taping it up, and I'm doing all this <laughs> stuff. And here you guys fixed it with some clamps and silicone. That was beautiful. That's some quality it, engineering right there. It, it was awesome. It was awesome. So so after that baby got fired up, now that, that, that intrigues the story. You guys worked all night long. Yep. And uh, you got the motor out of the dump truck, got a new camshaft, lifters, all that in it. Got the oil leak solved with some plumbing experience. Did, did you get to go racing that night or not? Yeah, so now we, we throw the thing on the scales. We get the setup close. We load that thing up. We go to Seekonk. It was about 45 minutes from the house. Now, I've been there many times with my brother racing. Seekonk is pretty much a circle, and it's a lot of fun, a lot of banking. They call it Cement Palace. All the grandstands are around their cement. Anthony Vendetti was the promoter. Anthony, he's in the Hall of Fame in New England. So we, we go to Seekonk. And we go out and practice, and we're doing okay. You're not, you're not the fastest because we're racing this little 307 against these built 358s, which Seekonk, you don't have to have a lot of horsepower, but it still makes it a little difference on the straightaway. So we start the feature. I, I forget where we started, probably about eighth or something. Well, let me back up again. So now we're, we push the car in line to get ready for the feature. Now, I'm wore out. We, we worked all night on this thing. I've been up for two days. I'm wore out. So I, I get in the car so I can sit in there and relax a little bit before we go out. Now, I know you've heard of this name, Bugsy Stevens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bugsy's yeah. crazy, okay? He's crazy. He's a lot of fun, <laughs> but he's crazy. So I'm sitting in the car with my helmet off. I got the seatbelts on, but no helmet on. Bugsy walks up, and he kneels down beside the car. And he says... I don't know if I'm supposed to be, if I can swear on here or not, but I'm going to clean it up a little bit. He, he said, now look, you little SOB. <laughs> and pulls, he pulls, reaches around his backside, and he pulls out a 45. <laughs> he, he cocks the trigger and puts it up to my head. Oh, my God. He said, I'm going to listen, you little SOB. This is what you're going to do. He said, <laughs> You're going to run half a groove off the bottom in the corner. You're going to run half a groove off the wall in the straightaway. And you're going to make like, make these son of a bitches go around the outside of you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And I'm sitting there with, uh, I don't know, I can't say a damn word with a 45 yeah. time. <laughs> I, I, I've heard them racing before that. with 45. How about this? But yes, that, sir. I understand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I might not have got a good education, but I can relate to this. <laughs> So I, I, forgot, I forgot all about being tired at that point. I was scared to damn death. So, <laughs> That's funny, to be very honest with there. you. Yeah. Scary and funny yeah. all at the same time. <laughs> so I, 
put the helmet on and I roll out there and uh, started. I think we started about eighth, the eighth or ninth, and I did exactly what he said, and I ended up getting up to about third. And of course, in New England racing, you, you qualify through heats and conti, so it's a handicap uh, starting spot for the feature. So the fast guys all started in the back. So here they come. They're coming on the outside. And Eddie San Angelo, who is another legend in, in New England modified racing, he gets to the outside of me, and it takes him like four or five laps to get around me. He'd get a little bit on the straightaway, and we'd run together through a corner. He'd get a little bit more on the next straightaway. You know, he just kind of worked his way by. And I think we ended up finishing about fifth that night. And uh, that was my first race at Stafford, so it was or at uh, Seekonk. And we raced there for 13 weeks. And never had a we ran the same set of tires for 13 weeks <laughs> that's what they call the good old days yeah, right. <laughs> that was the good old days now the best the best part of the whole thing i mean it was the most fun i've ever had racing by far because the best part is the money that we made every week with the payoff it paid for everybody to get in the next week paid to maintenance the car paid for the fuel for the hauler to get it there and the best part is it paid for the beer for after the race. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Kent sitting those, next to me with his hand raised. Those are that all job. very key ingredients <laughs> to, to a winning effort. I'm telling you. Well, yep. well I, I think on that note, we need to come back and talk about some other good things. But let, let's leave on the case of beer getting paid for by the winnings. That's, <laughs> <I like that. laughs> We're going through the years with Todd Bodine. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today's guest, Todd Bodine. Take it away, Mike. Well, J Todd, we were just talking about the fun days of racing, how, you know, you a motor out of a dump truck, you guys tuned it up, worked all night long, and you raced, and for 13 or 14 weeks there, you made enough money that it paid the bills and, and were able to buy enough beer every week for all the guys. So, mm -hmm. uh it doesn't get any better than that, and I think that's why we all got involved in motorsports because it was all fun back then. But after you've now experienced that in that SK Modified and you got the dump truck, how long did you keep the dump truck motor in for? <laughs> well, that, that whole season, man, okay. that thing <laughs> ran great. <laughs> they never got the trash back to the <laughs> That's perfect. So after that season, uh, you, you, you're getting experience. You're understanding how to race, I'm assuming. Did you win any races that year or just run decent the whole no, time? We just, we, yeah, we just run decent. We were fifth to eighth place every week. That okay. little 307, it was hard to keep up with them built motors. Plus, like I said, we, we ran the same set of tires for 13 weeks straight. And the only reason I actually got a new set of tires, I didn't even buy them, is Eddie Sant'Angelo that I told you about earlier he, he was a family friend. Him and Brett were really good friends, so I knew him really well. And Eddie had a lot of money, good cars, always had tires. He he ran a set of tires in practice, brand new set that he didn't like. And he came down there after practice and said, hey, come up here, get these tires and put them on your car. I know you got old ones on. These are brand new. I didn't like them. You can have them. That was the only reason I got another new set of tires. Home run. Once again, Judge a millionaire right now. If it's free, Absolutely. it's for me. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So so move us forward in, in uh, Todd Bodine's career or quest to go racing. Now, at that time, did you want to race race cars or was it just something you're – I mean, you were doing for fun. Did you say, oh, I'm, I'm going to go do this for a living or was just I'm at home having fun? Well, well I, I didn't really know. You know, at the time, we're just having fun – bunch of guys racing in circles and you know i knew i loved it i knew my brothers were doing it making a living at it and I, I yeah of course i wanted to drive but didn't know how to do it or where to get you know how to get myself forward so uh fast forward a little bit a, a guy a gentleman uh, over in danbury connecticut asked me to drive his full modified and he didn't have any money so i was going to the tire truck and getting the takeoffs from everybody to put on this car well in the meantime Brett had now moved south, and he went to work for Rick Hendrick. Jeff had already gone to drive for Rick, and Brett moved down to work on the sportsman cars. And I was running this modified. We, we crashed one night at Stafford, and the car was junk. And the guy said, look, man, I cannot afford to fix this car. And I said, you know what? That's a good thing because I'm loading my shit up, and I'm moving to North Carolina. 
So that, that's what I did. I had a little Chevette, and I packed everything I owned in that Chevette. In the meantime, this was a year later. I had already sold my car, and and uh, I moved to North Carolina, went went to work for Brick uh, Hendrick with Brett over at uh, Robert G's shop on the Sportsman cars. At the time, Tim Richmond was driving them, and Jeff drove a little bit. And uh, that's when Brett actually got his chance to drive. He ran five races that year, and I think he won four of them. Oh, wow. So he, nice. Yeah, he, he got his big break there. And the next year, he went to work or drive for uh, Howard Thomas in the Thomas Brothers Country Ham Car. So now I moved south. Uh, and that was now, now, let me hold you one second, Jeff. What okay. is the question we always ask everybody? But he answered it already for us. He said he had a Chevette. Yeah, <laughs> we just we want to back up because we ask everybody when they make the trip down south, now what kind of car were you driving? Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for pre-answering it. You were in a Chevette. <laughs> I was in a Th- that's an important part of our show, just to let you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay, so Judd, now we're you're all over at uh, Robert G's. Uh... Yeah, so uh, I I moved south, and uh, Brett was really good friends with Jay Hedgecock, and Jay's a chassis builder, car builder, still doing it today. Great guy, and Jay had this guy that he built a car for that didn't have a driver. Now this was. Now, this is getting the fall time, so Martinsville's coming up. And Jay called this guy and said, hey, you want this little boat on to come drive your car at Martinsville? The guy said, yeah. So I drove his car at Martinsville and was really fast, but the battery kept shorting out. So we didn't do well, but the car, we were really fast. And at that race uh, was a Ford car, 97, Bumpus Ford was the, the owner and sponsor on it. Danny Bumpus, and Danny came over after the race and said, hey, you want to come drive my car for me next year? We're going to race Orange County and South Boston. I said, are you kidding me? I said, how much do I got to pay you? I'll, I'll pay you to drive me. <laughs> but I didn't have to pay, and Danny hired me, so I went. that was my first time of having a, a job as a race car driver. Uh, we raced, raced uh, Orange County, South Boston, but that winter, I actually went up to Sivakis, uh, Manuel Cervacus's, uh, where Jeff had, I knew everybody up there. I knew Butchie Cervacus, Emmanuel's son, and uh, all the guys there. Now, Emmanuel, for everybody to listen, correct me if I'm wrong, Emmanuel Cervacus had the company called Stock Car Products, right? Wasn't he the chassis right. builder back, parts supplier back in the day? Yep, parts supplier. He, he was actually a really good race car driver himself, had retired. Uh, Sonny Hutchins drove for him, which Sonny's another legend in the South, and that's who Jeff went to drive for when he moved down there. So I knew all those guys. And I went over, and I lived with Butcher Cervakis for two weeks, and Butcher myself built a car from a tubing rack to a complete race car in two and a half weeks, and I built that new late model stock car, and that's what we raced. And we had a lot of problems. We, we raced 13 races. And we blew up eight motors. Wow. And we crashed twice. And we finished the races three times. And when we finished, we were always in the top three. Well, the guy that was the crew chief on it, Morris, he hated Yankees with a passion. <laughs> and I was a, I was a damn Yankee at that because I came down and stayed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so... So he didn't like me, and after them 13 races, he got me fired. So that was my first time of getting hired and fired all in the same year. Yeah, it, it happens. You, you come to find out that happens in life, <laughs> That's right? right. Hey, Todd, did anybody I, ever say to you, it's nothing personal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we first started this show, Jeff and I were comparing notes, and it's uh, we got in this higher fire situation. It's like what really aggravates you is they look at it and you go, well, don't take it personal. Yeah. How no. could you take that yeah. personal? No, I do take it personal, man. That's how I feed my family. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you, the guy didn't like you because you're primarily yeah. a damn Yankee at that point. But you guys yeah. had a lot of problems that year. So you're out of that ride. But something more positive is around the corner, I presume. Well, so not really. So I didn't get to drive again quite quite a while. And I went to work for Tom Pistone. And Quite a while work... means like six months, two years, no. five years? Yeah, a couple, of, probably three years. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Big gap. Yeah. So I went to work for Tiger Tom, and then I went to work for Buck Baker. And while I was at Buck Baker's, 
uh, I built a car for Billy Standridge. Uh, actually, I redid the body on it. Redid the body, we, and Billy hired me to come crew chief him at, uh, at uh, Charlotte. It was a sportsman car, which is Xfinity Series now. And Billy was a low-dollar guy, had, you know, had junkyards, but we had a nice car, and it was, had a, a 311 motor in it where everybody else had some V6s at the time. So we had a weight handicap. And we went out and qualified 16th for this race. And that night, we, were, we weren't supposed to do that. Billy Sanders was not even supposed to make the race. Okay. So that night, Robert Black, who was in charge of officials for the, the series, made all his officials stay after the garage closed. And they went over there and took the car cover off of our car. And the officials went all through the car trying to figure out why we're so fast. They figured we were cheating. And we weren't we weren't cheating, and everything worked out. But that that right there afforded me the opportunity. I went to work for Billy, and I built him a brand new car, took it to Martinsville, and while we were there, uh, Bobby Hillen came over. Bobby was racing the Cup Series for Stavola Brothers. He came over, and he was looking at this car and said, "Man, this is a nice car." And who built it? And I said, "I did." And we talked a little bit. He had no idea who I was. And he went back over to the Cub side, and he was talking to my brother Brett, and he was telling Brett, "Hey, I'm I'm starting this, I'm going to start a Bush team, and I need to get some cars, and I need to hire some people. You know anybody I can hire?" And Brett said, "Well, you ought to talk to my little brother. He he just built a car over there. It's nice." And, and Bobby said, "Well, I was just over there looking at this purple car. That's what color Billy had." And Brett said, "Yeah, that's the car that Todd built." So Bobby came back over. <clears throat> And I went to interview the next week, and they hired me to, to come work on the team. And that was really my big break because they they let me well we they let me build a sportsman car in the shop, and that was the series of like a cup car with a stock motor that we ran at, at Charlotte, and I ran four times and finished second three times. Well, so, I'm kind of catching up with your career now. So would that have been the Highline team, Highline Racing? Yes, that was okay. Highline Racing. Bobby Hillen, uh, Felix Sabatis, and Ted Condor were the owners. That was Felix's first in, in adventure into racing. I was actually Felix Sabatis's first employee in motorsports. Wow, that's yeah, uh, that's one claim to fame. fame. How about that? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. that's uh. So I'm sorry, I interrupted there. But so, did you then drive that car, or was Bobby driving that well, car? So fast forward a year. Uh, Bobby quits driving, and we hire Kyle Petty comes to drive because Kyle was driving Felix's Cup car. Now this was actually two years ahead, and we had Ames sponsor, and it was a, I want to say it was a thirteen race schedule, and Ames came back to the to the owners and said we want to run more races, and we're actually standing in the in the shop, and Ted Conner told Kyle said hey, Ames wants to run eight more races. Kyle says, I don't want to run eight races. You know, if you, you got to know Kyle to understand. He, he, he didn't care. He didn't want to run eight more races. He said, let Todd drive the thing for crying out loud. I, what? I was like, hell yeah. Send me in, coach. You know? So they they called Ames, and Ames approved it. And I got to drive that sports, the, the Bush car, uh, for eight races. Uh, our, my first race was Martinsville. And we... I forget where we qualified. We did okay, like 13th, but we were running fifth on a restart with eight to go, and I missed a shift and ended up finishing eighth, but still had a good run. And the next race I ran was Dover. First time on a speedway other than Charlotte and anything other than a sportsman car, and qualified fourth and finished third. And the finish was Harry Gant, Rick Mast, and me, and we came across the start-finish line in a line. That's how close it was. Incredible. Congratulations. Yeah, that, that was that was the big break right there because Frank Cece, who everybody knows Frank Cece, if you know about Bush Series, he got Jimmy Spencer started. Frank was from my hometown in New York, uh, and he took on a partner that winter, Scott Welliver, and Scott's from up there, and he, he actually was roommates with my brother Jeff in college. Scott Welliver was? Yeah, I, I, the yeah. reason I say that I ran into his son. His son introduced himself. I was a, at a concert at Coyote Joe's about a month ago, and guy walks up and introduces himself. And 
think he was wanting to hang out with us because we had a good table, but we got to talk about Todd Bodine and racing and all that. So it was the cool. beer. He wanted free beer. Free man. beer. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> We've come full circle. All right. <laughs> well, give me a minute worth more worth of stuff, then we're going to take a break and come back and finish up and hear about the great career that Todd Bodine's had. Okay, so Frank Cece was there with his car racing, saw how well I did. Well, that winter, him and Scott actually flew to North Carolina to interview another driver about driving their race car. And Frank said, they told me the story, and they sat down at dinner with this guy, long hair, earring in his ear. They talked with him for like 10 minutes. Scott said, there ain't no way this guy's driving for me. <laughs> so they got back in the rent car, and they had like, four hours to kill before their flight back to New York. And Frank says, Hey, let's call Todd and see what just just talk to him. So they did. I met him at a, a restaurant down by the Charlotte airport. We talked for about an hour. And before we left that meeting, they'd hired me. And that was my first time as a full-time professional race car driver. In 19, 1991 was our first full season. Who was the guy they interviewed with the long hair and the earring? Uh, I don't know if I should really say who that was. <laughs> All right, initials. <laughs> we'll get it out of them before in the next 15 minutes. All right. That sounds like <laughs> a good, a good breaking point anyway, right there. So. We're talking to Todd Bodine, and you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Here we go. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace and today's guest, the one and only Todd Bodine. You were talking about long-haired, freaky people a minute ago. Todd, <laughs> you, you, you don't have a whole lot of hair. Uh, now, whether that's by your choice, I, I have no idea. But they call you the Onion. Where'd that nickname come from? Well, when we started that team with Frank Cece, when I started racing for Frank, uh, we hired a spotter to spot for me. This, this guy that was from New England, uh, was trying to move south and get his own career going, but was having a struggle a little bit. And he he has a habit of giving everybody nicknames. And his name is Randy LaJoy. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Randy, almost explains it, doesn't it? It does. Randy Randy was a spotter. He, he was spotting for me. And he nicknamed me back then the Onion because I was – Follically challenged at 27 years old, I didn't, I didn't shave, I didn't shave my head, but I didn't have a lot of hair. He was the only one that called me the Onion. So later in the career, later in life, I shaved my head and became the Onion. There you go. All right, and now you know the rest of the, the story. story. <laughs> All right, we're gonna back up. You dra uh, driving a car for CC Wolliver, new team. Take us from there. Well, so we, we did really well. Uh, you know, halfway through the first season, we got Hungry Jack as a sponsor. Had them for 92, about half of 91 and all of 92. And then in 93, we had Fiddle Faddle for a sponsor. And we ended up winning, I think, a total of seven races in the three years. Uh, finished up in the points every year. Didn't win the points, but always finished well. And about halfway through 93, uh, Butch Mock came to me and asked me if I wanted to drive his cup car, and I said yes. And that was uh, I started driving it in at the halfway through '94. Ran about I think we ran 10 races in '94 or '93 rather, and then '94 was my first full season with Butch. Uh, we ran really well, but had some tough luck. Uh, then '95 I ran for Butch again. And at the end of 95, I got fired. I got fired for the second time in my life. So, Bush, Bush let me go, which is okay. Uh, yeah, it's only happened twice now. You're doing good, man. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then from there, I went to drive for Ron Neal. Uh, Ron was a very famous engine builder in, in Midwest. I know, Mike, you know him. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, he was a good guy. Didn't have a lot of money, but we gave it everything we had. and We ended up winning one race and finished third in the points in the Bush Series. Ron had a big company in the Midwest called Prototype Engines. Mm -hmm. Everybody, yep. every hero driver had a prototype engine. Yeah, and then uh, after that year, I went back to the race for C.C. Weller Racing. Uh, won some more races, had some great sponsors with Stanley and Phillips 66 and in 98, I uh, got hired by the Tabasco team to go drive for the Tabasco Fiasco. 
<laughs> and we all, I heard we that all know phrase before. That... I didn't know if you'd reference it to that or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know. We all know how that worked out. I got fired for the third time in my career. <laughs> Strike three at the knees. Called. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so let me, hey, I... let me ask you something. And uh, this okay. is a weird thing to ask you. Because I've been, I've experienced it. I know all about this stuff. Got the T-shirts. You get fired three times. Did it devastate you when it happened? Not really. Okay. All right. Let's move forward. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> Just checking. Okay. Well, you you got to remember, kind of like you, Mike. I grew up in this sport. It's all I've ever done. So it was part of the ups and downs. And you know, as a race car driver, that your neck is on the line every lap. Not every every week or every month or every it's every year man you're 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 on the line you can be fired at any time it's one of the worst jobs to actually have so i got fired from there went back to race for cc weller again for a little bit and then uh in in 04 or i should take that back uh 99 i went to race for well i was racing for travis carter and the cup car with kmart as a sponsor and then the Herzog brothers and Tony Liberati, Rambo, hired me to come drive their Bush car at the same time. So in 2000, I was the first driver to ever run both series full time. I didn't Which, know that. That's, interesting. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that was. I remember that, both I was, those cars. I just I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. I believe I was the first one to do it full time in both series. And, uh, Herzog car, we, we were doing well, leading the points. They had a big points lead, and that was halfway through the year. They cut, shut the team down. Uh, so we didn't end up finishing the season with them. But I, I went on race with Travis a couple more years, and we get to the end of 03, and we had Discover Card as a sponsor, and we're expecting to go another year. You know, Discover Card was happy. Things were going good. We were running well. And with two weeks left to go in the season, Discover Card comes to us and says, look, we can't sponsor you next year. We're out. So here we are, me and Travis. He's got no sponsor. I've got no ride. And that's when I was officially out of racing for a while. So the next season, 04, I started doing starting parts. Uh, Larry Gunzelman, who was a great guy, he was doing starting parts. And he let me do some with him and, I did some with Phil Parsons in his Bush Series car, or Xfinity Series car at the time. And it was, that was miserable. That was the worst time I ever had in my life. You know, here you are, a professional racer, and you're starting and parking a race car just to make a living, and that was no fun. And it was pretty much down and out. And about halfway through that season, Mike Hillman, who has always been a good friend of mine, called me up and said, hey, I got these car dealers out of Ohio. They're going to start a, a truck series team, and they're going to be a Toyota team. And Toyota's backing them because they have a lot of Toyota dealerships. I want you to come down here and drive this thing. So I said, heck yeah, man, I'm all in. So Jermaine Brothers come down to the race shop in Harrisburg, and Mike says, hey, come on down. They're down here. I want you to meet these guys. So I go down there, and I show up. And these guys are all in suit and ties and all looking like car dealers that they are. And I walk into this meeting, and I got a pair of shorts on, T-shirt, and flip-flops. <laughs> Not quite a long hair and earring, but close. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so Steve Germain, the middle brother, he's the, he's the kind of serious businessman of the bunch, which, which is a lot of fun also. Great guy. He looks at me. He said, is this how you come for a job interview? <laughs> and I looked right back at him and said, no, I came here because I thought I had the job. <laughs> <laughs> and that was when it all started. Went to work for the Jermaines and the truck series and won 22 races and two championships and had a hell of a career and a lot of fun along the way. Well, without a doubt, you. I hope you had a lot of fun because you had an incredible career, won a lot of races, very well thought of and sought after in the sport and basically as the truck career come to an end i mean you you didn't just quit the sport you just kind of went right into the television network didn't you or am i missing yeah. something there 
Yeah, no. Uh, I went uh, drove for Thorsport, Duke Thors, Duke and Rhonda Thorsten, um, and that was in '13, and we were really struggling. Uh, you know, they were struggling. They had two teams at the time, and this was a third team, and we just kind of had the old wore out trucks and just things weren't going right. And I told Duke halfway through the year, I said, look, you know, he was paying the, he was footing the bill himself. And I said, Duke, I appreciate what you're doing here, but let's quit beating our head against the wall. You know, I've won races and championships. I don't need to do this. You've got two good race teams that are up front winning. Let's just call it quits right here and be friends. And he was all in. He said, yep, I appreciate it. So through in the middle of 13, I quit driving. And two weeks later, I get a call from Fox Sports and said, hey, Michael Waltrip, who was doing the booth at the time, he's going to Goodwood for a race over there, and we need somebody to fill in the booth for him at Iowa. Would you be interested in doing it? I said, yeah, I'd do it. Something different, something fun, go to Iowa, go to a race. So here I am. They throw me first time in the deal right in the booth. And man, I I loved it. Had a good time. Did a decent job. And uh, now they don't let you wear shorts and flip flops, do they? No. <laughs> no. I didn't think so. Suit, suit, suit and tie, suit and tie in the booth. You gotta yeah. have it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I've been working for Fox Sports ever since. All right. Well, let's let's fast forward to what I call this year's news. And I'm excited for you because as a driver that has raced, been out of racing, got to go back a little bit, you announced, and I, I, we got to hear the story, and you got four minutes to do it in, kind of in a Twitter story that Camping World, Marcus LeMans is going to sponsor you to run, is it six races this year? Yeah, yeah. So Tell us how that happened. Have, That's exciting. Well, well, I have 394 career starts in NASCAR, or um, excuse me, I have 794 career starts in NASCAR. I need six to get to 800. And I didn't think it really mattered to me. It was kind of a neat milestone maybe. And we talked to Marcus about it last year a little bit, and it kind of didn't go anywhere. It fell to the wayside. And so Marcus, about halfway through the season last year, Marcus tweets out, uh, hey, Team Onion fans, uh, he needs six races to get to 800 starts. Give me 800 reasons, and I'll sponsor him for those six starts. Well, the fans responded. He had thousands of responses for reasons why to, to sponsor me. So here he is. Marcus is a man of his word. And, uh, Camping World's going to sponsor us for the six races, and I'm going to drive with uh, uh, HFR, Hallmark Prison Racing, and Snoopy Stewie's teammate. And uh, I am excited about it. And about one of the best parts is it's in a Toyota, and Toyota's meant so much for me in my career that uh, to be able to have this milestone and do it with Toyota is very special. So, yeah, we're going to do it. So which racetrack will we see you at first? The first race is uh, Las Vegas on March 4th, and then it goes Darlington, Texas, Sonoma, Nashville, and the last race is here in Pocono which is as close as I could get to home. So uh, that's the schedule. Gotcha. That's awesome. Well, that is awesome. Congratulations. And so uh, I, I got to know the real truth, and because I know what it would be with me. I, have you had to kind of get on a diet, work out a little bit to get in that truck after being out a couple of years? Because I know <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're working on it. We're trying to get there. It's a, yeah, just get a bit, have LaJoy just build you a bigger seat. <laughs> well, but I, I fit right in my old seat, so that's a good thing. I haven't put on a lot of weight, but uh, yeah, we're we're getting back in a little bit of shape. Yeah. So, so do you think? It, I mean, it's exciting to. Um, how many years has it been since you did it full time? Uh, what were you saying? When did you drive for Thorson's? Middle of thirteen was the last time I raced the trucks full time. So you're gonna we're going on almost eight nine years, years nine eight years. years. So well, I I did run a few races for Bobby Dodder and Xfinity and. Uh, you know, I think the last time I raced was 19. So. I got gotcha. you. So, yeah. with the tie to Toyota, I know you. You know they love you. Or did back when I was involved with them, they did. And this Helmar team's a Toyota team. Are you going to get any uh, simulator time or anything like that, or are you just going out like you remember it last time you were there? Well, they're they're going to get me some sim time, but I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to be able to do it because 
<laughs> the older you are, the harder it is. And I get sick as a dog when I do that stuff. Oh, now. really? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I know it'll help. It's, it's got to help somewhat. But I think that the experience I have on all these tracks, I, I, I'm not going to have to learn the tracks. And the truck, the trucks themselves. I've talked to a few guys, and they and they say they're they're not much different than what I drove when I was full time. So it's just a matter of getting out there and doing it now. That's right. All you got to do is go out there and drive it as fast as it'll go. Yeah, remember that old street stock you drove at your dad's racetrack? You just drive it as fast as it'll go. Same right? thing. Yeah. That's it, man. <laughs> Todd Rodine, thank you very much for taking the day with us. Uh, great story. Love hearing it. Learned a lot. And, uh, can, you know, good luck on those six races and uh, hopefully to turn into something more if you want it to turn into something more. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Todd. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.